trust you are feeling refreshed. I'm going to continue this morning um, just trying to look at Galatians 6 again from a different angle. Uh, for those of you that weren't here last week, just a very brief summary. We're finishing our journey through Galatians and uh, Galatians is a book of Christian freedom. It's a book of what Christ has done for us. And so Paul, in many ways, has, has tried to look at that from different angles. And uh, he's concluding now his letter. And so he says uh, that he takes the pen with his own hand and he says, See with large letters I write in my own hand. So there's obviously been someone that's been the scribe. And now he's taking the pen and he's writing the final comments himself. And he reminds them again of the central things that he's been trying to say throughout the whole letter. And we looked at that last week where he talked about in verse 14 and he said, Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything but only a new creation. And he's pointing them back to the main theme of his letter. He's trying to encourage them right at the end to remind them once again to throw off every kind of legalism, a legalistic mindset, and to embrace fully the new creation that they are, which is the, the portion of them that, that has been born again. It's the new life that is in them by Christ and the power of Christ. And he's saying that new creation, that part of you that walks by the Spirit, that part of you that is obedient to God's voice, he's trying to encourage that, and he's trying to get them to throw off every trace of legalism in their lives. And we've had a look at that over the last year, that legalism really, there's so many extensions of legalism in our lives. Racism is an extension of legalism. Racism is saying that I put my trust in my race above what Jesus has done for me. Economic superiority can be a legalism. I make lots of money and that makes me better than everybody else. That's legalism. It's a really an extension of what Paul is trying to say. There's so many things that are, are, can be roots of legalism in our lives. Where we, where, where we think that they justify us, that God is pleased with those things instead of us completely putting our trust in what God has done for us through Jesus on the cross. Alright? And so these are the things that we've discussed over the last year. And so now I'm going to take another angle just as I finish and then we're going to do a series on the Holy Spirit, the life and person, uh, the person and work of the Holy Spirit in the next 10 weeks or so. But this is the last time I'm going to preach on Galatians. So it says Galatians 6 verse 11, see with what large letters I'm writing to you with my own hand. It's those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised and only in order that they might not be persecuted for the cross of Jesus. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they might boast in your flesh. But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of Jesus, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. And I'm going to look at that verse in particular this morning. For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but only a new creation. And, for, and as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them, and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirits, brothers. Amen. And Paul concludes just in that very simple way. So as I said, I want to look at um, verse 14 in particular today. Far be it from me to boast except in the cross 
of Jesus, the cross of Christ. And so my title simply is, I will boast in the cross of Christ. That's what we're going to look at this morning. And it's quite interesting, because I, I, I don't know if you've thought of this before, that um, the Bible is quite open about boasting. And uses this word, boast, quite a lot, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. So I thought it would be good for just to look briefly at what the Bible means when it uses the word boast. And uh, really, in the Scripture, the object of the boasting depends on whether God sees it as a positive thing or a negative thing. <coughs> the thing in which you boast is either makes it positive in God's eyes or negative in God's eyes. And so, if you apply this principle of boasting about others, of boasting about the goodness of God and what God has done for you, the Bible sees that as very positive. If you boast in yourself, the Bible sees that as very negative. So this is this uh, very interesting way that the Bible looks at, the, at boasting. And so there's some two basic words that the scripture uses. Hebrew, the word is mahalal. And you can imagine just from the sound of the word that that's where we get hallelujah from. It's the same root word. And it simply means to praise. To praise, to lift someone up, to, to say that they're a, a wonderful person or whatever. And so hallelujah means simply praise Jehovah. That's what hallelujah means. When we say hallelujah, it means praise Jehovah, praise God, praise Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So that's the Hebrew word. And again, Mario, you'll have to um, correct my Greek uh, here. But uh, the Greek word that is used mostly in the New Testament, Testament is kalchaomai, which means to vaunt, to lift yourself up, to exalt. And so, like I said, when it's applied to others, it's seen as in a positive light. When it's applied to God, it's seen in a positive light. When it's applied to ourselves, the Bible sees that in a negative light. So, for example, this word, kalchiomai, uh, is used in Proverbs 27, verse 2. Let another praise you and not your own mouth. The Proverbs encourages us. Let someone else praise you, not your own mouth. Um, uh, Proverbs 31.30 A woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. It's again the same idea. Paul, in the same way, he boasts in the churches. If you read the, the New Testament letters, he's saying to the Philippians, I'm so proud of you for your generosity. He's saying to the Corinthian church, I'm so proud of you because you've persevered. All these kind of things. He, he uses this language of boasting in the churches, of praising the churches for their stand in, in, in standing for the gospel. In fact, in Revelation, Jesus does the same thing. He commends, he boasts in six of the churches in the book of Revelation. And so, this sense of proper boasting is seen in a very positive way in the New Testament. Um, also, it's interesting, Paul boasts in the, in, in the book of Romans, for example. He boasts in the hope of the glory of God, uh, Romans 5 verse 2. He also boasts in his sufferings. We don't like that one, do we? In Romans 5 verse 3. He boasts in God. Romans 5.11. He boasts in Jesus, in Christ. 1 Corinthians 1.31. Philippians 3.3. He boasts in his weakness. Paul says, I will boast in my weakness, for when I am weak, I am. Christ is strong in me when I am weak. It's all the same root word. Kalchiomai. Same root word. In all of those examples. And so, it's a translation which really is speaking of glorying in, um, rejoicing in, lifting up all these uh, things. So I say all of that because it is rather strange that Paul would say, above all things, we should boast in a cruel method of execution. 
That's what he really is saying. I mean, if you think about it, the cross was the most cruel way of executing people in the ancient world. It's like someone today saying, we should glory in the lethal injection. We should rejoice in the gas chamber. We should rejoice in the electric chair. It's, it's like a weird concept, isn't it, that Paul is bringing together? Because that's really what he is saying. He's saying that the cross of Christ is the thing that we should be glorying in, boasting in more than anything else in our lives. We should boast in the cross. And so I want to look at that with you to what Paul really means. So we've seen now that Paul says we should boast in other things. Romans 5, boast in God, the hope of glory that is to come, still boast in our, in our suffering, our tribulation, in our weakness, so that Christ in all things receives glory. And so I would summarize it like this and just say that for Paul, to be a Christ follower, to be someone who is Jesus' disciple and following after Christ with all of your heart, means that all of our boasting should be boasting in the cross of Christ and what He's done for us. That's the first thing I'd like to say. If you boast in the glory of God, as he encourages us in Romans, let it be because you are exalting the cross of Christ and what he's done for you. If you boast in your trials, and remember we did a study of James. What does James say? Count it pure joy. Same thing. Count it pure joy, my friends, when you suffer trials of all kinds, because what does it do? It produces perseverance in you, and when perseverance has taken its root, it produces hope in you, and our hope actually is in what? Is in Christ and what He's going to do. And so let's, even boasting in your trials is really boasting in the cross and what Christ has done. Let us boast in God, in the cross of Christ. Let us boast in our weakness because when we are weak, Jesus is strong. This is the kind of heart of Paul all the time. That's what he's in, trying to encourage the church with. So why should that be the case? Well, simply... Because all of us that are Jesus, followers, followers of Jesus, we are all sinners saved by grace. This is what the reformers said over and over again. And we know as a result of that, Romans 8.28, every good thing and every bad thing that God uses in our lives and turns it for good was obtained for us, was bought for us at the cross of Jesus. That's what Paul is saying. That's why all of our boasting is in the cross. Because every blessing that we enjoy, and even those things that are difficult in our lives, that God turns over the, the, the period of our, our entire life, He turns those things for good. Those are bought for us by the blood of Jesus. Let me put it another way. If it was not for Jesus, you and I get nothing but judgment. That's what the cross says, what the Bible says. Apart from the cross of Jesus, we receive judgment. Apart from the cross of Jesus, there's only condemnation for us. Therefore, everything that we enjoy, every blessing, every good thing, everything that we can boast in, everything we can glory in, everything that we can give thanks for, is owed to the cross. It's owed to the death and resurrection of Jesus. And so I say to you, as Paul says to you, if you are a Christ follower, all of your boasting is in the cross of Jesus. Every, I could put it a third way. Can I put it a third way? Every blessing in our lives is meant to magnify the cross of Jesus. It's meant to make the cross of Jesus clearer, brighter, more glorious. So I could say it again from a 
another angle. Every good thing in our lives and every bad thing that God turns for good is meant to magnify Christ. And I've shared quite openly with you in our own journey over the last uh, three years of our, our son Matt with his brain tumor and that he had to have an operation and all that meant for our family. And God turned an incredibly difficult situation for us. And I told you the amazing story was that we received this, pay, this payment from the insurance company for all that Matt had been through and we weren't looking for that. It was a great gift to us as a family. Incredible blessing that we weren't even looking for. So how does that work? Well, I will put it to you like this. Apart from God's grace, all of us, by nature, are dead in our sin. Is that not true? That's what the, family, that's what the, um, the Bible says. So how come our family got to enjoy an undeserved, incredible gift and blessing? How come we get to enjoy that? Well, the answer is quite simple. It's nothing that we did. <laughs> it's because of Christ. Christ died for us. Christ died for me and for you and, and took upon himself the anger of God and secured every blessing that we enjoy, though we don't deserve it. And so, because we are saved by the grace of God, we, be, we get to enjoy God's omnipotent grace, which extends over everything. And we get to enjoy the blessings of God, even though we don't deserve them, even though we're not looking for them. So when I boast in the fact that God provided in such a mirac miraculous way for our family, I'm not boasting in the, in the blessing of the money. I am boasting in the goodness of God to, to, to in His sovereignty, see us as his children and just say, I'm going to bless you in the midst of this thing anyway. Amen. That's what I'm boasting in. You get it? We boast in the goodness of God that he would even bless us like that because he's kind. <laughs> Simply because he was so kind, he went to the cross and he took all of our sin upon himself and he said, I'm still going to bless you. We don't boast in the blessing. The blessing, we boast in the giver of the blessing. All boasting. It's because of God's mercy to us on the cross. Secondly, Paul encourages us we to, ask, we to see the glory of Christ in everything. What does this mean? It means that for us who are Christ followers, for us who are believers in Jesus, the cross is absolutely central to everything. It's pervasive in every way in our lives and our vision. It means the cross is not one thing that we add on to a whole lot of other things. It means Galatians 6.14 is saying the cross is the thing. It is the big thing. It is the central thing. It is the thing that you focus on with all of your heart and all of your life and all of your, your, your passion. May it be, Paul says, may it be that I would not boast glory rejoice in anything else except the cross of Christ. This is his final encouragement to the Galatian church. So I put it to you as we went away with the leaders and we're talking about the future of this church, that every dream that we hold in our hearts for the future of this church community, every time of worship that is a joyful, hopeful celebration of the goodness of God that we experience, every sermon that you hear that is, that, that is preached from this pulpit or that you hear 
by any other means. Every moment of fellowship, of warm fellowship that we enjoy, that we drink coffee together, where we share our lives, every plan that we make, every encouraging email that you send or you receive, every card that you give, every time you write a study note down because God is speaking to you, every prayer that you pray that is answered, every pound that you give, every child that is taught week after week in the Sunday school, and I could list many, many other things. My point is every single one of these things and more are evidence that God has been so kind to us that He sent His Son to die on the cross for us that we might be called sons and daughters. And sons and daughters are blessed by a loving Father. That's my hope, that we are all sons and daughters saved by the grace and kindness and mercy of God. And we put our trust in that nothing else. So let me say it again. Apart from the cross, we all deserve condemnation. We all deserve judgment. But the anthem for this church is Romans 8, 28. What can you, can you say? To, uh, Romans, sorry, Romans 8, verse 1. There is now, therefore, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You should know this by heart. And this is not law. This is just good for you. All right? There is now, therefore, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. And everyone should say, Amen. Amen. Therefore, to use a Pauline word, therefore, because of the result of that, all rejoicing, all thanksgiving, all praise, all boasting, all joyful worship is because of the cross of Jesus. We are called and able to call God Father because of the cross. We are able to be sons and daughters because of the cross. We enjoy His presence, His kindness, His mercy, His forgiveness because of the cross. And that's why Paul says, I will boast in nothing else except the cross of Jesus. Let that be our joy, our praise, and that the crucified Lord Jesus gets glory and thanks and honor for every good thing in our lives and every bad thing that He turns for good. Okay, third point. How does Jesus get the glory that He deserves? If all of that that I've tried to say to you is true, if the aim of God in the death of Jesus is to bring, is to bring a G, um, Jesus glory, how does He get honored and glorified in all things? It's a good question. How does He get the glory that He deserves? The answer is that for all of us, adults, children, young people, we have to be taught and understand these things. I could say it another way. To boast in the cross means that you have to understand everything that the cross has done for you. That's my job. That's the job of everybody that preaches from this pulpit. We are to get glory for Jesus by teaching you and helping you to understand what God has done for you. And as you understand what God has done for you in the, in the fullness of the cross, glory comes to Jesus. And as you act on that thing and you live it out in your life and you teach others about that thing, gl more glory comes to Jesus. And Jesus gets all the glory. So that's what we call to do as preachers, is to help people understand and learn from the Scripture all of what God has done for them so that Jesus ultimately gets all the glory. And so that's why I say, 
If we understand the fullness of what Jesus has done for us, then we boast in Jesus. And if we understand the fullness of the cross and what Jesus did for us on the cross, then we can boast in the cross. And as we boast in the cross and we lift it up and we give it glory in our lives, Jesus gets the glory. And that's the point. Understanding the cross will lead to boasting in the cross. So how do we understand then more fully what the cross has done for us? And I want to just say a couple of things which I mentioned last week. First of all, we need to understand that Paul says we are crucified with Christ. That's what he says here. Verse 14. May it never be that I would boast except in the cross of the Lord Jesus, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. You see, boasting in the cross begins to happen when you realize that you too are on the cross. That's when you begin to boast on the cross. That's really what that verse is saying. It's saying that I have been crucified with Christ. I'm on the cross with Jesus. And what does that mean? It means that the world is dead to me. I am dead to the world. Why? Because I've been crucified with Jesus. Well, you might say to me, and when did that happen? I'm very much alive. I don't feel crucified in, in that sense. I'm alive. Well, we know from Galatians 2 verse 20. This is what it says. I have been crucified, past tense, with Jesus, and it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live in this body, in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. There's the answer in the second chapter of Galatians. When Jesus died, the scripture says, if you believe in him by faith, you also died. And the glorious meaning of this is that when he died, all of those that are in faith, all of those that believe by faith, died with him. And in fact, what happens is he takes all of our sins, sin of all of humanity, upon himself when he dies, and we are united to him by faith. Well, here's the reason that we need to understand this more fully, so that God, in these wonderful scriptures here, is teaching us what has happened to us, what He's done for us, so that we can more and more boast in Jesus, as we should. And so, if, if I, if I um, just summarize that Galatians 2.20 again, it's, it's the, this tension that we live in, that we are dead and alive at the same time. That's what Paul is saying. Dead and alive at the same time. I have been crucified with Christ. Who's the I? That's the, that's the point. And he explains it. He says, no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Why? Because when I, when, when, when I died that, uh, with Christ, that was my old rebellious, unjustified, um, selfish self died with Christ. The old ant unregenerate ant died with Christ. All of those things that are unregenerate about me died with Christ. And then he carries on and he says, but the life that I now live in the flesh, in this body, I live by faith. And so that portion of me that is now living is the regenerate ant. If you are a believer this morning, the part of you that is living is the part inside of you that Christ has brought alive and wants to live by faith. That's why, why does Paul say, walk by the Spirit and feed the, the Holy Spirit in your life and you will reap the reward of that. And don't sow to the flesh. Because the old man is dead, is gone. It's gone. You don't want to sow to what is dead. You want to sow to what is alive. And what is alive in you is the regenerate, the new born again ant is what you want to sow. 
sow to. And you sow to that portion of yourself, if I can put it like that, by walking by the Holy Spirit and saying, Jesus, what do you want me to do today? And he says, and I want you to do this. And you simply obey. And that's how you walk by the Spirit. That's how the new man lives. And that's why Paul says, I'm not going to boast in anything else except in the cross of the Lord Jesus. And second, we need to understand that we are also dead to the world. We are dead. Remember, I used that picture of Rizzoli and Isles last week. That we, we watched this um, American uh, detective show. And uh, the, the one character is a detective. The other character is a medical examiner. And uh, she's always examining these dead bodies. And so you get this lifeless body, just ashen white and Paul says, it's the same word Paul says, he says, I am dead, I am like a corpse to the world, and the world is like a corpse to me. He's using a very strong image, saying that's how I feel towards the world, and that's how the world feels, feels towards me. It's like I'm dead, I'm a corpse. And so, we need to understand that Paul is encouraging us that we are also dead to the world. So, how do we become so radically centered on the cross in our lives, that we can truly say that we boast? in Jesus, in all things. And uh, again, it's, we need to understand this thing that Paul is saying. When, we die, when Jesus died on the cross, we died. When you trusted in Him, His death took effect in your life. And Paul says you are dead to the world, and the world is dead to you. So when you put your trust in Jesus, the bondage, the slavery that you have towards the world is broken. The overpowering lure of the world to attract you and to catch you and to uh, uh, win you over to, to what it's offering is broken. And we looked at that positively last week where Paul says the only thing that counts is the new creation. And that's what we need to be trusting God to more and more make uh, bear fruit in our lives. The new you that is alive by the power of the cross and by believing in Jesus. And so when Paul says, I will not boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus, he's saying the world is no longer my treasure. The world and all that it offers is not the source of my happiness, my satisfaction. My happiness and my joy is in Jesus. So you might ask me then, say, well, and what about that insurance payment? Uh, God gave you uh, uh, money and wasn't that a blessing? Weren't you happy about that? Aren't you, aren't you supposed to be dead to the world? How can you be happy about that? Well, I hope that I am dead to the world, I would answer you. But being dead to the world doesn't mean that you leave this world. I mean, it doesn't mean that you, you only leave the world when you, when you die and go to heaven. It's, that's not what the Bible is saying. The Bible speaks very clearly in a number of ways. It says, 1 John 2.15 says, Don't love the world or the things that are in the world. Anyone who loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. That's a negative way of looking at, the, of, of looking at this world. But Paul also in Timothy looks at the world in a very positive light. He says, for everything created by God is good. And nothing is to be rejected if it's received with thanksgiving. For it's made by the holy word of God and in prayer. And so Paul has this, the, the, the scripture has this um, dualistic approach again to the world. It depends on how we see it. What I think 
Paul is saying here is that every ultimate, uh, legitimate rather, every legitimate blessing, every legitimate pleasure that we enjoy in this world, when we see it correctly through the eyes of the cross, it becomes a blood-bought gift to us that's evidence of Christ's love for us. And that's why we boast in it. In other words, take my insurance payment. I am dead to that insurance payment in the sense of it doesn't have a material hold of the world over me. When it's not the money that satisfies, but it's the giver that satisfies. Does that make sense? When I'm not boasting in the money that I received, but I'm boasting in the fact that God so loved me and so cherished me that He sought to bless me in the midst of a very difficult time simply because He wanted to and I'm His son. That's when it doesn't have a hold over me. Do you understand? That's why I'm saying understanding about the cross helps us to rightly boast in the cross and the fullness of Christ what He's done in our lives. And as we look forward to the future of this church I pray that our dreams and our plans and our work and our energy and our giving and our teaching and our living and our praying and our worshipping and everything that we do would be for the glory of the cross, the glory of Jesus, all that he's done for us. I pray that it would become more and more the anthem of your heart as I'm praying it's going to become the anthem of my heart and more fully that we would see that fruit in our lives. That we would boast in nothing except in the cross of Christ and what He's done for us and the blessing is poured out upon us simply because we are sons and daughters of the Most High God. Amen? Let's pray. Jesus, I want to thank you for all that you've done and all that you have bought for us. You are so good. You are so kind. You are so generous to us. We rejoice. We say thank you, Jesus, for your life lived, for your obedience that took you ultimately to the cross to die so that we might be free. We want to say thank you, Jesus. We want to say thank you for all that you've bought for us by your death and resurrection. And I want to also give an opportunity this morning if you've never come to the cross, if you've never submitted your life and said, Jesus, I want you to rule in me. I want to give you opportunity to respond this morning. The scripture says it's quite, easily to, it's quite easy to become a Christian, really. All that you have to do is believe in your heart that Jesus has done all that he says, said he, he, he has done. And that you put your faith and your trust completely in Him. And that is what satisfies God. And then when, in the moment that we put our trust in Jesus, we are saved. That's, the, that's the, the Bible language. We are saved. We are born again. And He begins to live on the inside of us in a way that I've tried to describe this morning. And we begin to walk with Him. And so... 
if you're here this morning and you've never come to Jesus and asked Him to come and live in you and reign in you, I want to give you an opportunity. And I'm just going to pray a prayer. And you can pray it where you're sitting right now. You can pray after me. And God is faithful. His word is true. He says that as we reach out, as we put our trust in Him, as we put our faith in Him, He's faithful to forgive us our sin. And even though our sin was red as scarlet, it becomes white as snow. And He comes and He lives in us by the power of His Spirit. And He begins to change us and make us more and more like His Son. And that is our future destination, to become more and more like Jesus. So if you're in that place this morning, I just want you to pray the simple prayer after me. Jesus, I come to you just as I am. I come asking, Lord, that you would forgive me for the wrong that I've done that has hurt you and hurt other people. I'm sorry, Lord. I ask your forgiveness. I ask now that you'd come and live inside of me, that I might know you as my Savior, my Father, and my friend. I pray that you would dwell in me by the power of your Spirit that I might become more and more like your Son. And your Word says, as I believe by faith, you, you come and bring to life what is dead inside of me. And I put my trust in you this morning. Thank you, Jesus.